listening to www.infinitesmile.org. Enjoy these Zen-inspired talks given by Michael McAllister. Got into a discussion, a discussion about uh, Ayn Rand or Ayn Rand recently, whose book uh, *The Fountainhead* and *Atlas Shrugged* really spawned a whole new kind of twentieth-century uh, philosophy on total selfishness. And while on base, I think. Total selfishness gets us uh, in an awkward spot in relationship to deep, authentic spiritual practice. I also think that if we really begin to engage in total selfishness from a broad perspective, what happens is we recognize that everything is included in that big self. Now, Ayn Rand was talking about small self and what Buddhism, Vedanta, Sufism, Kabbalah, all the other basic wisdom traditions, they're talking about big self. In other words, that which has merged with, through, and as spirit. And it was kind of an interesting discussion because the, the person was proposing that, you know, as long as you take care of yourself and all that is personal, everything, everything else falls into place. And that's a fine view to have if, as long as you don't attach to it. Same thing with the view that big self encompasses the all. As long as we don't attach to that, it then shows up. And even Buddhism has to be very careful about getting dogmatic. The minute we, again, kind of land on something and say, oh, this is it, uh, is the minute we diminish the it, whatever it happens to be. We develop preferences all the time. We develop opinions. We develop convictions. We develop all these things. We've talked about this a fair amount in our practice together. But one of the wonderful things that each of us can use, and this kind of goes in line with what I was talking about, when we take ourself into study, when we really begin to allow our life to become a spiritual laboratory, we can begin almost immediately to look at our preferences. What are they? What are preferences? I prefer certain types of clothing. I prefer certain flavors of whatever the I prefers. You know, I prefer, you fill in the blanks, chocolate or vanilla. Whatever it is, it can be, I mean, it's especially keen uh, and sharp in relationship to things that we want to have these preferences, what do we want to have? Well, I like that and not that. You know, this either-or dualism that comes up with preferences is exactly the distraction that veils spirit from our sight. 
The cool thing about preferences as we study them is that they lead us right into where our attachments are. Attachments are simply relationships with things that catch us. So do you see how a preference, if we go by degree, a preference is kind of a light, it's kind of an attachment light, yeah? And then an attachment or clinging is actually what closes the Dharma eye. It blinds, it blinds the truth from, from shining on us. So just as a quick practice for everyone, your homework assignment is just for the rest of your life, so don't worry about it. This homework assignment, <laughs> make sure you look at what it is that you prefer. What does the small self like? What does it dislike? And in looking at that, let the little voice that booms let you know that there is something beyond that, that there is something that goes so far beyond that which you like and dislike, this or that, self, other, any type of dualism, subject, object, any type of oppositional relationship. There's something on the other side of that that really frees us from getting caught, frees us from attachment. And that shows up in our experience the minute we see through the preference, the minute we see through the attachment, the minute we see that it doesn't have to hold us. We go from personal to impersonal. That expanse right there is when we are actually moving along the path. That's when we move just this far into awakening. We awaken beyond the dualism of the world. We begin to see that self and other are one and they show up as the big self, the infinite self, the ultimate life. We begin to see that the personal, the small self, we begin to see that all that is contracted in us is just an exercise that doesn't have to continually catch us. And we really arrive at this place by being totally fearless. We have to want it. The way awakening seems to work, and there are all these great writings scripturally and you know contemporary sages have have kind of commented on this a great deal far more eloquently than i but they basically are saying look to get there to awaken for enlightenment to not only seed itself in this oyster but to really become a pearl that actually blows way past the boundaries of the oyster itself you gotta want it it has to become the most important thing. The most important thing. And this is a pretty tall order, but this is kind of how it works. 
miraculously, when it becomes the most important thing, everything around us becomes enlivened. Every relationship we have with every single person in our life becomes enlivened with something mysterious. Every single relationship we have with every single preference that we have, every single attachment becomes enlivened with something that is free. It's as if we have just suddenly put on clothing that's much looser. There's freedom. There's more space. We observe our experience. We observe every single aspect of being. And in that, we arrive at something that's fuller than what we've been used to. Something that is more expansive. Something that doesn't get caught. We're not caught by our feelings. We no longer have greed for more of that or less of that. We're not caught by our thoughts. We don't obsess inside our minds. The external world happens, it occurs, it arises, it ceases, just like thoughts, just like feelings, but it doesn't catch us because there's a whole different centration. There's a whole different expanse in us. And it's an expanse that doesn't ever feel like anything can be lost because it's all right here. And if nothing can be lost, we don't have to worry really about losing what is essential in self or someone that we have a preference for, someone that we love. We don't worry about losing what's essential in them, what's essential in us. We don't worry about losing our livelihood. We don't worry about losing our minds. We don't worry about losing our possessions. We don't worry about losing anything. At that point, we move through the world fearlessly because there's no threat and there's nothing defended. Because our, aware our awareness is actually pointing to the fact that we are all things. All things are us. We are the awakened space. This is freedom. This is the liberation that the sages have been talking about, have been writing about. These men and women throughout time have been saying this very thing. Awaken to that spaciousness that is beyond the constraint of mind, beyond the constraint of ego, beyond the constraint of things that are personal, beyond wants and desires, beyond name and form. Expand beyond that through stillness. It happens automatically through stillness. You get to that place, get there again, get there again, let it in like a sand that goes into the oyster's mouth. Let that pearl build of its own accord naturally through a stillness practice and watch what happens to your world and then go have pizza and beer.
or Coke. If you don't like beer, if you don't like pizza, you can pick your food. I like to talk to each other tonight. I wanted to give kind of a short little talk tonight and see how it struck you. And I want to give you a little bit of structure here in your discussion with each other, which you can do. So I want you to sit with your partner. You can use chairs, be on the cushion. One can be on the cushion, one can be on the chairs, whatever. I'd like you to actually answer the following questions if the structure helps you. If you, if, if it, if you go somewhere else with that, I am not attached, okay? But basically, if you could say, what brings you here? What brings you here to this space? This space, this meditation group, this, uh, uh, this stillness practice, anything along those lines. And then could you please explain what catches you in life? What catches you? You could even say, what, here are my preferences. Here are some preferences I have. You could also say, here are some things I really kind of wonder about, I really kind of resist. It can go anywhere, but I'd like it to be reflective enough that your awareness actually points to where it is that you actually pause. You wonder. You resist. Well, Peter and I were talking about um, preferences. Mm-hmm. And I found that a very difficult concept because I said, can you imagine being with someone who had no preferences? Right. I mean, that, I guess, is the extreme. But we have preferences in everything. So is the point to just notice them or try not to have them? (laughs) Definitely don't try not to have them. (laughs) Because that's a preference. You're building a preference. Right? So Uh you catch yourself again. You create another attachment. The same thing is if you become attached to being non-attached, you've destroyed the non-attachment, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when a preference arises, being intimate with that preference, recognizing it fully frees you from it. Okay. So there's a huge difference between, you know, and yeah, it is about the most frustrating thing in the world when you're asking someone, I remember, I'm not going to mention any names, but Boy, when I went on this date once with this this girl in high school that I totally had the hots for, I had the colds for her pretty quick because it was like, uh, you know, I had a date kind of scheduled and the the whole time I kind of say, well, we could do this or that. Which would you like? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, right. Oh, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. And after a very short time, it was very clear that there wasn't anything thing pushing back and if there's nothing pushing back there's no dance you can't i mean you can't you can't do the most dramatic moves in tango for instance unless he or she resists Mm -hmm. at perfect points in the movement if it's all resistance all the time you have something that is just as bad as something that is no resistance none of the time Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. So I guess if you're really watching your preferences, you can see when they're taking over. Yes. Your life. Yes. You can see when they catch you. Mm -hmm. Okay. I got it. Now, (laughs) let it 
go. Let it go. Okay. <laughs> All right. Right? Yeah. So if I'm going to become enlightened, I have to really want it. Mm-hmm. And it's got to be 24-7. 25-8. Okay. I knew you were going to do something like that. I'd like you to say again how we do that in daily living. By continually studying the personal experience. Continually studying all that is contracted in you. All that is me, all that is mine, all that is all that stuff. All preferences, all attachments. By studying them, we bring them into the vastness of big self-awareness. Okay, so for real life. How is that? Help me with, though, how is that not real life? Well, that is real life, but I think that I need the baby steps first. I mean, obviously, I've got my 30 minutes of stillness practice on a daily basis. Well, that's not a baby step. step. That is not a baby step. That's huge. Well... Okay, but I'm having trouble with the other 23 uh-huh. and a half hours. Okay. All right. Day, <laughs> you know, that I'm going to roll out of bed in the morning and before my feet hit the floor, my preferences or I don't know. I mean, I just. Yeah, you, you don't want to obsess over these things. Yeah, yeah definitely okay. don't. You don't it want like. No, no. The, the point is, is that, that, like, for instance, Meditating for 30 minutes every day is not just a baby step. That is, that is a massive leap onto the path. Okay, now in that process of meditation, you engage in literally, as Suzuki Roshi used to say, a house cleaning of your mind. You essentially start looking at everything as it arises and it falls into one of three categories invariably. Well, I know, you but know. that's if you're able to do that for the uh, whole 30 minutes. And if I you mean, can't, if you can't, you, you, if it doesn't happen, that's okay. You just gently bring yourself back into that focus. Why? Because this matters to you mm-hmm. if you really want it. Mm-hmm. If you don't really want it, you just kind of just sit there, bide your time, you know. Ooh, it's over. And I know <laughs> uh, I, I, there, there are lots of people who have actually traded, for instance, an addiction to, uh, let's say, you know, pot. And instead, they're no longer smoking pot, but they now are totally addicted to meditation. And meditation then ceases to become anything other than a way of avoiding what's really happening, just like the pot. So we've attached to the meditation. The meditation is destroyed. The baby steps Mm -hmm. are simply being absolutely intimate with everything that goes on in your experience. And when you get lost and you go somewhere else, just remember to bring yourself back and remember to bring yourself back and back to presence, back to presence, back to the now. When you start watching yourself getting caught by future mind, you start watching yourself getting caught by past mind. Memories or plans begin to occupy your space, okay? There's always a brief moment when you can just recognize your breath. Am I in an inhale or an exhale? Mm -hmm. That awareness right there is the spaciousness, Mm -hmm. which is largely why it's such a huge uh, point of reference for Zen practice. Follow the breath. Follow the breath. 
the breath is going on all the time. It doesn't, even when you're in dreamless sleep, it's still going on. And so it's a, it's a nice, in my view, kind of a physicalized metaphor for spirit because spirit is there even when you're in dreamless sleep. You, you know what I'm talking about? We have yes, gross waking consciousness, and then we have dreaming consciousness where we're going into REM, and then we have deep dreamless sleep. And in deep dreamless sleep, what is not there? Is the personality there in dreamless sleep? No, it's not. In fact, everything you don't need is pretty much gone. Taking that presence of dreamless sleep and letting that inform the personality as it's always existed tends to shift things. And you become more of what you always already are as opposed to what the mind wants you to be in order to defend you from threats, in order to prevent loss. I don't know if I gave you a, a baby step other than just watch your breath during the yeah, day. No, no, actually that one comment okay. you know, in the middle of whatever... Else I was talking about. No, whatever else <laughs> is happening in your life, just to say, yeah. am I inhaling or exhaling? Right, and am I inhaling or exhaling? You can stop yourself just with that. That's, I mean, not stopping yourself, but change your yeah. where your awareness is. Exactly. And also... Whenever you see anything, if you have the presence, if you can just remind yourself, whatever it is that you are viewing, it's within you. This is within my awareness. It's within me. The lizard crawling across the rock is within my awareness. It's within me. You know, the, 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 not, not whether it's a blue-bellied skink no. or whatever. Exactly. No, it's not that. It's that lizard is within my awareness. That is within my awareness. That jerk who's yelling at the bank teller, he's within my awareness. He's within me. Mm -hmm. That lady slapping her kid is within my awareness. She's within me. Little things like that help us change our relationship to the typical. Okay, the typical then starts to shift because we start to shift. Same thing goes with our ego our relationship to our ego begins to shift, begins to expand. I, I can't always remember it, but I've been waking up. I was waking up. I'm actually sleeping better, but huh. then I'm just doing this. My mind is going 90 miles an hour on whatever it is that uh -huh. I'm going on. And I did this for quite a while and quite a number of days, and finally, about 5.30 one morning, I thought, you know what? I could stop doing this. I could choose not to have my mind do this anymore. It was, and it really changed things. It was like, I just thought, I don't need to rev these thoughts from my mind for two hours every morning. Right. And it took a long time for it to occur to me, but I don't know if it would have occurred to me if I hadn't been doing the meditation. How wonderful. Yeah, it was How really wonderful. Yeah, the choice... The choice shows up. We, we, honestly, I mean, the choice shows up as we begin to still. We start recognizing from the place of stillness where nothing is moving, we get to choose the move. If we, in other words, if we orient ourselves from this place of stillness, okay, then whatever is moving, whatever is arising, 
we have a whole different set of tools. We have a whole different uh, uh, experience that awaits. We have a whole new series of choices. And that means that this entire life becomes a series of choices. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I always thought my mind just worked independently of anything <laughs> right. I was doing. And I didn't know why it kept doing that, but I wished it would stop. But it right. was sort of out there somewhere. But that, that which is able to recognize that in mind is beyond mind. It's absolutely totally still. It's just observational wonder. It's the mystery. And when we start grounding ourselves there, and we're r reminded that it's there all the time. You know, but when, when we actually take those reminders and we, we leave them on the sticky and leave the sticky right in front of us all the time, pretty soon we get it. And the getting it is not actually something we acquire. It's something we let go of continually. Like a racing mind. Thank you so much for coming tonight.